As a church, we've been in a series uh, these last Sundays that we've called Heaven and Nature Sing. And we've been looking at the stories behind the songs of Christmas. Sometimes we sing songs and we really don't know the meaning behind them, the substance of the words, the context of which those songs were written. And that's probably most true in our singing of the Christmas carols. And and so we wanted to take some weeks and look at them. And so we've looked at some of the most famous of songs, Joy to the World, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, Tomorrow We'll Hear the Story Behind, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. But I want to focus our song tonight on the night that this song is all about, Christmas Eve. In fact, there's a lot of songs that are written about this very night. Hark the herald angels sing, angels we have heard on high, away in the manger, one we already sang tonight, silent night. The song I want to focus in on is the song, O Holy Night. Now, there's a reason why I think Christmas Eve songs are so uh, important to our celebration and why they're so famous and we want to sing of all that transpired that first Christmas Eve. It's because of the anticipation of what is coming. Isn't that what Christmas Eve is all about? Anticipating what is about to transpire. Now, our movies get this down. They recognize the significance of Christmas Eve. It all started with a novel that we put to probably dozens of movies now, A Christmas Carol, where Scrooge on Christmas Eve night experiences a rebirth as he's visited by spirits and he begins to realize that life is far more about riches and and money and selfishness. And then I think of uh, two men who come back from World War II, showmen who use Christmas Eve night to put on a show to help save their old generals in from collapsing financially. And the question in the white Christmas is, will the people show up to this incredible night and will it in fact snow and bring the help that would be needed Then I think of some more modern day ones, the anticipation that the Cranks had of their only daughter coming back for Christmas, bringing her new fiancé. Still others, a young boy anticipating the wet bandits coming to destroy his house, and Kevin McAllister being ready, armed if you will, to take up the task. Still others that I think of anticipation on Christmas Eve night is waiting for your Christmas bonus to arrive and then to find out it's the jelly of the month club of which is always responded with it's the gift that keeps on giving all year round, Clark. But I gotta be honest with you, if there was a picture, a movie that would depict uh, anticipating something great, surely it would have had to have been the anticipation of the great fight between Rocky Balboa and Ivan Drago on Christmas Day, amen? (laughs) Christmas Eve is all about anticipation. And right now, for some of you, you are wondering, how long is this guy gonna talk? Because I'm anticipating food, festivities, and fun at a home that's waiting for me. We are anticipating, no doubt, what will open underneath the tree. Christmas Eve is a night of anticipation. And it is no wonder that when a priest was asked to write down words to a poem on a Christmas Eve night to be read at Christmas Mass, that poet, that priest, Placid Capipu is his name, is hopefully I'm pronouncing it right, wrote his poem to celebrate this very night in 1843. 
It would be penned in the final moments before the service would begin. In fact, historians say as the opening song was finishing, he was writing the last stanza of the verse, kind of like how my sermon finished up this afternoon. Very last minute. You can blame my wife for that. Don't blame her. It's Christmas, all right? It's my fault. I'm a procrastinator. But in 1855, this song would be made famous in America because a pastor by the name of John Sullivan Dwight would put into English words the words that were written in French so long ago. And, and his song, O Holy Night, an 1855 version, is the song that we sing today. Now we hear the word O holy night, holy, and we think religious, ultra spiritual, but really holy literally means just set apart. It's a night that's different than any other night. When we say God is a holy God, He is different than everything and anything that is in our lives. He is to be set apart. Well, what makes this night a night that is set apart? Well, Hollywood says it's for a lot of reasons. You might even say that it's for various reasons. But the reason why the Bible says this is a holy night, that it is to be set apart from every other night, the songwriter puts it this way in the opening words. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. The reason why this night is different than the other 364 nights of the year is this is the night that Jesus would make his introduction and his appearance here on earth. Now the prophets had been speaking of this moment and talking about it hundreds of years in advance. In fact, in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, God himself said there was one who was going to come. And that night in Bethlehem was his arrival. Isaiah put it this way in Isaiah seven fourteen. He said the following, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so here we have on this special night Jesus making his arrival, making his arrival as one of us. But that isn't the only reason why this night is set apart, why it is holy. The songwriter continues to tell us the reason why Jesus had to come. He says it this way, long lay the world in sin and in error. Let's stop there. What the writer has done is put in one sentence the Old Testament. In one sentence from Genesis to Malachi, what was the world like? It was a world full of sin and in error. You see, since the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve have turned their backs on God. And we, all like sheep, likewise went astray, each of us going our own way. And we were in sin. We were in error. We were against God. We were enemies of God. And though God was benevolent and kind and good, we kept turning our back to Him. And so what does God do? What does God do? He allows us to live in that for a little while. Like a good parent allowing a child to experience some of their own consequences of their actions, God allowed humanity, the world, to experience the consequence of sin. And that's that last word in that line. In sin and error, 
pining. Now, we sing that. We know that word by heart as we sing it, but we don't know what it means. Pining literally means to be in a place of despair, depression, uh, to be so distraught. You don't want to eat or drink. You don't want to live life. So here is uh, the Old Testament in one sentence in sin and error, we're depressed, we're despaired, we're in anguish, we're hopeless and helpless, we're lost, and we're, we're tired of living life. And some of you right now, that's exactly where you find yourself, beat up, broken down. Life isn't going the way you want it to, and you wonder what is going on. It is you're living in a world of sin. You're living in a world of error. Not just your own, but all of us have brought this to ourselves. And we have no hope until that is, the songwriter says, till he, that is Jesus, appeared. And notice what it says in that next line. When Jesus appeared, our souls felt its worth. Again, those words roll right off our tongues, but we don't think about it. And here's what the songwriter is saying. When Jesus appeared, we who were distraught, we who were down, we who were desperate and depressed, we who found ourselves in anguish, would begin to think that we are unloved by God. We begin to think we're worthless in God's sight. That is until Christmas night. When Jesus appeared, we began to realize how truly worthy we are. Now, before you start welling up with pride, recognize that our worth is found solely in God's love for us. The Apostle John said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. So on Christmas Eve night, the night that our Savior would make his appearance should tell all of us that God saw us worthy to save, that God saw us worthy to redeem, that God saw you. Maybe you don't feel very worthy. Maybe you don't feel very loved this Christmas Eve night. Maybe you have been alienated by people. You have been left out of celebrations maybe relationships have soured and you feel all alone i want you to know tonight that christmas is a reminder that you are so worthy and you are so important and you are so loved that god sent his only son to redeem you from your sins it is there that we find our true worth value and identity but what happens when we experience that? The songwriter goes on and he says, a thrill of hope. This weary world that's pining away in error and sin, it rejoices for yonder breaks at early Christmas morning. A glorious new morn is birthed. And so here we have this hope. The hope of Christmas is Jesus came to a helpless and hopeless world to give it hope, a new identity, a new opportunity to live in fellowship with God. And it leads us to only one response. Notice the writer says, we are to fall on our knees. We are to hear the angel voices. We are to make this night a night that it truly is divine. The night when Christ was born. With the moments I have left, let me just share with you three ways that I think you ought to be worshiping Christ this Christmas. And they're each found in the scriptures and then the third one, especially in the song. But, but first, we need to sing. 
the angels sing. We need to hear the angels sing and we need to join them when they announced in Luke 2, glory to God on the highest and peace upon whom God's favor rests. It gives us reason to sing and that's why this night has had so much singing to be a part of it. We are to rejoice in song, ascribing to God the worth of the great glory of him sending Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. But then we're to take that and we're to announce that singing and that proclamation of the truth of Christmas to any and all who will listen. The shepherds did that in Luke chapter 2. We see them leave from where they hear the angels sing and they go and it says in Luke chapter 2 that they told everyone and anyone who would listen. And so I hope as you fill your hearts with singing the praises of the one who came that you would share that. That even tonight and tomorrow as you're with family and friends that you would share even in small ways that this celebration is not about what's under the tree. It's not about Santa and all of the great things that we have allowed and made Christmas to be. All of which bring joy and great fun. But even more than all of that is that Jesus Christ came and that we would share that truth with any and all who would listen. But the songwriter keys in on something that I think is so important these days for us. And that is that the songwriter says that it's not good enough for, for us just to talk about it or to sing about it, but we need to show it. He goes on and he says this in the uh, final verse of the song. He says, truly, he has taught us, that's God has taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. And then he says this, chains shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. Now, let's leave the slide up there for you. Those are revolutionary words because if you remember, O Holy Night was written in America, introduced to America in 1855. 1855 just a matter of about five years before the civil war in those days half of our country allowed slavery and let's remember the great the great atrocity that it was we treated people who may have looked different than us who had a different color skin we treated them less than animals and here the writer reminds us of the gospel of jesus christ that no matter who we are well, no matter what color we have on our skin, no matter where we are at in the social economic world or where our house resides on either side of the track or what we've done or what we've accomplished, none of it matters because there's only two classes of people, God and human beings. And God now tells us and Christmas reminds us that to sing about and to speak about the love of Christ found at Christmas isn't enough. But truly, we are called to love one another. And so this Christmas, and my prayer in the new year, is that you would do that. That you would love each other. That you would love, yes, family and friends, but also enemies and those who have hurt you and wronged you. That you would forgive them as Christ has forgiven us. And that we would look out for the stranger and help them in their time of need. I heard just this, uh, this day a, a family in my town of Hinckley uh, put out on Facebook, our heat's out, my husband is very sick and we have no way to heat our house. And in a matter of seconds, seconds, 
neighbors. They had like a hundred space heaters ready for them and three heating and air conditioning guys saying, we're on our way. That is loving one another. And so in this Christmas celebration, the way we love and make this night divine is by singing of God's praises, speaking of his gospel, and showing his love to a world that needs it. It is there, my friends. It is there that we will praise, as the hymn writer says, his holy name. So let's make this night what it is, O night divine, the night of our Savior's birth. Amen?